When people think of the future, when people think of the future, they think technology. Tech, tech, tech. Take a drive through town. What do you see? You don't see tech, do you? This is the On Grade Podcast. This show is about construction and the people who make it happen. Whether you want to start your own business, grow your business, or learn more about construction, we'll have on the pros. From business owners to industry leaders, you'll hear about new equipment, building a company, and growing your business, and how the construction industry is changing. Let's do it. This is the On Grade Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Brandon Weinlein and Devin Boudreaux. Everybody, welcome to On Grade. This is episode 17. Devin is not in studio tonight. He is handling business and taking care of stuff he needs to take care of for Ruben. So I got my special guest tonight, Colton McCormick from the Certified Wrench Podcast, a local DFW fellow podcaster. Glad to have you on the show, brother. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here. So tell us your background. First of all, I'm a field service technician for a construction company here in the DFW area. And as you said, full-time podcaster, I guess. Background-wise, I've been wrenching basically my whole life. I started off hanging out with dad and doing stuff around the house. And then we got into uh, racing outlaw carts when I was about eight years old. And he made me work on my own cars and stuff. And then when I got to about 15 or 16, he's like, we got to get out of it. It's too expensive. So he's like, we can take the money from your race car and buy your first car if you want. So that's what we did. And I ended up spending that whole summer restoring it. I bought a Volkswagen Bug. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, fast forward, got out of high school knew that I wanted to turn wrenches. I really wanted to be a heavy equipment mechanic, but I didn't want to go to college for it. There was a Caterpillar program at the local college in California. I kind of left that out. I'll I'll get to that in a minute <laughs> where I grew up, but I didn't want to go to college. I hated school and stuff. So I got out of high school and the local automotive shop there, I knew the guy that owned it. And I would always bug him about coming to work for him and stuff. And finally, he was like, fine, come this day, prove it. I worked for him for one day, and the next day, he's like, okay, when can you start? So it was right off the bat, 18 years old, you know. So I ended up working for him for about six years, and I got a little bored with that. And a guy I knew worked for a repossession company, and they were wanting to start their own fleet program. So... I went to go work for this repo company as their quote-unquote shop manager, and that didn't really work out the way I wanted it to. Being a shop foreman but no pay, and it turned out that I could actually make more money being a repossessor. So I went and got my repossession license and private investigator's license and then became a repossessor for a little while. We both have that in common, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a thankless job. Luckily, I only ran into trouble like two or three times, and this I was in Oakland, California, if you're familiar with that area. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with it, you would know that it's a sketchy place to be, but I would go and make extra money, and anyway, got out of that pretty quick. I, a friend of mine was working at the deer dealer in California. I should probably just get this out of the way. I grew up in Northern California, <laughs> outskirts of Sacramento area. A lot of people think that when you think California, it's 
Los Angeles, San Francisco, and beaches and surfing. It's not. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, farming and all that good stuff. Anyway, I made my way up to further in Northern California and started working for an ag dealer out there, John Deere ag, ag dealer. And worked there for a little bit, and that's where I met my now wife. And yeah, we ended up getting together and deciding that we wanted to move to Texas. <laughs> there you go. We're first, I f- forget how many months together, like three months, and we decided that we're going to move to Texas together. And so I ended up getting a job with the uh, deer dealer here, construction deer dealer. You know what that is. It's your best friends. <laughs> and uh, it almost didn't work out. The job that my wife had lined up, it fell through. And luckily the lady that was hiring me, she was going to be my service manager. She was like, well, what does your wife do? I'm like, well, she works in the warranty department here at the ag dealer. And she's like, let me call you back, you know, and so anyway, she pulled some strings and was like, well, we need a manager for preventive maintenance. And basically we had to drive out for my interview and they flew her out because it was a management position. I still give her shit for that. <laughs> anyway, so they offered us a job both at the same company and said, okay, you got three weeks to be here. So we sold everything and moved here to Texas within three weeks and started our jobs. It was wild. And that was when I started working on construction equipment was 2017. And I will never go back to anything else. It's my passion. It's what I'm good at, come to find out. And I don't work for the deer dealer anymore. I quit during times of COVID and was aspiring to go out on my own and buy my own service truck. But that didn't really work out because COVID got worse. And, uh, Got my ass kicked by a couple companies and finally landed where I'm at now. And I've been there almost three years and I love it there. That is an incredible, incredible. I left out a lot of shit, but you know, I just wanted to give you a quick rundown. We'd be here all day if I had to tell you everything. So I do got to admit, guys, if you get a chance to listen to a show, I know a lot of people on here, excavation, utility, civil work guys. His show's awesome. Like, it really opens your eyes to the guys that we pick up the phone and call and go, hey, dude, dozer's leaking hydraulic fluid. No, I don't know where it's leaking from. It <laughs> looks like it's coming out of the belly pan. I can tell you that much. <laughs> it's coming from somewhere. And I'm parking it by the rock entrance so you don't have to worry about getting out in the mud. And usually that's it. We go park the truck, we go park the machine, jump in another machine and go to work or we get sent to another job. It's these guys that are the lifeblood of any company. They keep the machines running and without them, we wouldn't be able to make a living. And from every operator, every foreman, superintendent, business owner, thank you for what you do, man. Because you guys are the lifeblood of making this business happen. Well, I got a little flustered at the beginning, but I was going to say I'm Colton McCormick and I'm here on behalf of all heavy equipment techs to complain about operators. <laughs> I didn't. But, oh, and by the way, don't judge me from for being from California. No, we're not judging, dude. I've had a couple guys on now from really Cali. I'll oh, yeah. Say. Brian was from, yeah. from Bakersfield. Brian's from Bakersfield and somewhere else. All right. Anyways, so tell us how you got started on the podcast, man. Man, that's a tough one. It's something that I've always wanted to do. And it, it kind of sucks to talk about, but my wife ended up in the hospital in December, Christmas Eve of 2020. Yeah, I believe that's right. She ended up in the hospital and it was something that had been throwing around and I was talking to her about it. Like, I kind of want to buy some equipment as she's laying in the friggin' hospital bed. 
like, I really want to do this thing, you know? And she's like, just fucking do it. Yeah. So she really pushed me to start it. And man, I, I bought everything in December that last couple of weeks and decided to lay down a crappy sounding episode on January 2nd and released it January 3rd. And it just was like, bam. So it was, no, I'm sorry. I, I take that back. It was 2021 when I start her December of 2021. So 2022, I fired it up and, you know, I, I released the first episode and it was like, oh, I got 74 listens. Holy crap. That's great. You know? And then like I hit a thousand in one month and like, oh my God, that's crazy. And now we're hitting, you know, anywhere from 12 to 16,000, depending on my, if, if I bust ass and release an episode once a week for, you know, the four weeks of the month, I can go pretty big. But lately it's been two episodes a month because stuff's been going on, wife's pregnant, all this stuff. So I've just kind of been stepping back, which I need to get back into it. It is. And I think another thing that people don't realize us guys that do this is we have to go months ahead of time and find people to come on the show. Like you're, you're constantly hitting people up like, Hey dude, you want to come on my show? And they might be like, Hey man, nothing personal, but like, I got five things going on that week. I can't really do it. I'd love to. A lot of guys want to come on, you know, they want to tell their story, Yeah, but it, it, it is hard. Yeah. Luckily I don't have that problem. I've got at least 40 people like waiting to come on. It's just like trying to schedule and most people are not in Texas. Right. But once you get your name out and you get your niche out, it's a little easier. Like us, we're growing, you know, we're, we're still getting our name out. Yeah. And it's so cool because the, you found us through listening to us and we really appreciate you listening to us. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode, but I'd like to take a minute of your time to talk to you about today's sponsor. Are you a GIS professional, land surveyor, or construction professional looking for the best in surveying equipment, software, and service? Look no further than AGS Inc. AGS Inc. is an authorized dealer for Topcon and Sokia Surveying Equipment Dealer and EOS Aerial Mapping Products Dealer. With a supply store in Grapevine, Texas to serve the DFW Metroplex, Central Texas presence, and a corporate headquarters in Houston, Texas, AGS has you covered. Stop by and experience the AGS Inc. difference today. At AGS, it is a service after the sale that counts. AGS is the proud sponsor of the On Grade podcast. On Grade podcast listeners, give these guys a call if you want to talk about bringing precision surveying, layout, drones, GPS, GIS, or 3D scanning spatial technologies to your company. Thank you, and have a great evening. Back to the episode. And you turned us on to you, and we started listening to you, and I'm going, man, this guy's awesome, dude. Like they're only, of- the, only the newest episodes. <laughs> oh, whatever, man. It, it, it is eye-opening to listen because you guys are talking about stuff that I never would think would be a big deal to talk about. Yeah. And, and I've been around mechanics my whole life. You know, I've known diesel techs my whole life and stuff, and they never talk about the stuff y'all talk about because I'm not one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm. it's like you're peering into the – and behind the, the scenes and really seeing what it, what goes on in y'all's brains about stuff. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, I suffer from hardcore ADHD. <laughs> so I'll be at work one day and be like, oh, man, I'm going to go home and lay out this perfect episode. Like, I'm going to call this guy. We're going to do it. By the time I get home, I'm like, no, <laughs> I want nothing to do with recording or work. Because a lot of people don't realize that, you know, I work full time and I work a lot of hours. And now in the heat. And podcasting can be basically a full-time job as a, 
just doing that, you know, yep. if you really dive into it and a lot of it's out of pocket, a lot of stuff I've done is out of pocket and I've spent thousands of dollars. You spend a lot, obviously you have too. a lot of money getting this going and we got a Patreon going and stuff. It hasn't gotten us anything yet mm-hmm. and I'm not worried about it going that way. Honestly, what I'm trying to do is get like a university going to help guys. We're going to call it the round table, but it's going to be to help guys starting a business. It's going to help them with learning how to track maintenance costs, how to set up hourly rates on machines, how to bid a job, just basic stuff. Having a guy on you, like you come on maybe for the round table, we'll do it through Zoom. And maybe you and I can sit in the studio and we can run it talking to the guys all over the country. And that's the ultimate goal is I want to help people. Yeah, it's a perk to get to do what we do. But at the end of the day, I wish there was a podcast out five years ago when I went out on my own that could have warned me about half the crap that I had to find out the hard way and go, wow, this guy really cares. Like he wants to help people because you know, as well as I do in construction, nobody wants to help anybody. Yeah. They say they want to help each other. We do help each other. Yeah. We say each other dirt, you know, stuff like that. Nobody's going to tell you how to bid a job because that means your competition. Well, that, and you got all the old guys that just learn it yourself. Yeah. They're not realizing that they're going to be retiring and nobody's going to have the knowledge that they do. I'm only 34 years old, but I'm very knowledgeable when it comes to machines. And anytime I can help somebody, I will like, my buddies hit me up all the time, you know, and it's like, Hey, I've got this issue with this John Deere. I don't work on them. Can you help me? Most of the time I could try to help them and get my crystal ball out. And yeah, it's, I think it's this, you know, but (laughs) (laughs) unsung heroes, mechanics, man. Yeah, I, I try. So what would you say is the biggest thing for somebody starting out learning the maintenance, setting up a maintenance program for their fleet? What would you recommend them doing? These guys that are just starting out with skid steers, brush hogs, stuff like that. Man, that's a tough one because where I currently work, you know, obviously we have a fleet. I just work for a private construction company. I don't handle any of that. I just go and wrench. So, but my boss has a pretty good setup. You know, he's, he's got a, I think it's, Google Drive, maybe? Yeah. And he's got all the machines in there, what hours they have, when they're due for service, and every day our fuel guys get the hours on those machines. And then obviously we have JD Link because 95% of our fleet is John Deere. So he's able to track the hours. And so if you're able to do that, that'll make it easier on yourself. But I'm sure somebody does, starting out doesn't want to pay for JD Link and yeah. all this stuff. But just keep track of the hours. That's saved my ass so many times. There's a program that we use. I actually use it for my podcast as well. It's called Basecamp. It's on, I don't know if you can get it for Android. I think you can, but we use it for Apple, all of our Apple products. And we type notes just like it was a customer. We type notes in there. This you know, hydraulic leak at 9,000 hours and we put what we did, what we found, all this stuff. That way, like who worked on this last? I can go back and look. I highly recommend Basecamp. It's it's phenomenal program. And like I said, I use it on my podcast. It's on my phone. That's really cool, man, that you can use it multiple ways to do stuff. That's yeah. really cool. And it's free. That's cool. Might have to get the link from you. I'll put it on the, actually guys, if you're listening on YouTube or listening on Spotify, I'll uh, put the link at the bottom in the description. So yeah. if you guys want to download it, you can. Definitely, definitely recommend it. I just use it to keep track of all my guests. I put the guest name and then questionnaire. And then like, if I do schedule them, I put the date on it and all that good stuff. So I don't know if I answered your question though. Did I? I mean, I think you did. My biggest thing is, is 
try and shop around finding a good local mechanic or using the app like heave but besides that like you don't have anything else like you don't have the power anymore you trade a luxury for power yeah what you got bluetooth on the stereo now you can hook your phone up yeah that's all these guys worry about you know yeah the air conditioner and the radio i won't lie when i was an operator the last three or four years my ac went out i didn't show up for work until it's fixed <laughs> i call my foreman and he's like hey uh i'm like did you get a rental machine no did you get another machine out there no good luck <laughs> what man i'm not coming out <laughs> You're going to show up or I'm going to write your ad. Well, you go ahead and I'll sign it with that it. paper going. I right? said, you go ahead and have that paper sitting on your tailgate when the AC's fixed. I'll come sign it for you. <laughs> I'll come sign all three of them. Call fucking <laughs> and have them come recharge the damn AC already so I can get my side <laughs> to work. Brave dropping names on your podcast. <laughs> I, mean, I try not to, but I understand. I just don't want to get sued, you know, if I say the wrong thing or something. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> no, that's all good. We never really talk negative about anybody. We try not to. And if I do talk negative, I don't say the name, you know. It's unfortunate that you are being censored to speak now, though. Yeah. It's very sad. And I get it in business. You're not supposed to slander another company. You're really not. But, you know, owning my own business, I've learned that. I can't tell you how many times I get phone calls from people. You hear what they said about you last week? Don't care. I don't care. <laughs> That's why I do this. Well, and I forgot that you put this podcast on YouTube and I'm over here cussing. I didn't even think about it. So I'm going to watch my mouth. We're not monetized, so it's fine. Cool. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. We have like 95 subscribers. Oh, by the way, guys, while you're listening, if you would, <laughs> please get on our YouTube and subscribe. We'd love, to, we'd love to have the listeners and the viewers. Got you, Doc. Yeah, we got you. You know, the thing is, man, you know, if you're if you're that afraid that you're not going to get monetized because you curse a little bit, watch the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, yeah. I, that's one of my favorites. I love that guy because he's such a conspiracy theorist. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's right. Is he right? You know, like, <laughs> I, that he gets me going on that shit. And that's one of my favorite podcasts. But, you know, he's. He's getting monetized, though. Yeah. There's a bunch of YouTube channels that cuss and stuff. I know they're monetized. Mm-hmm. As long, I think as long as you want, you set your settings where, you know, that part where it says, is it made for children? I think yeah. you say, no, you're okay. Yeah. I think if you clicked yes though, and you were monetized and then they caught you cursing or something, they'd probably take it off. Yeah. When it comes to the certified wrench, I, I don't use names just in case. Yeah. I, there has been times where, you know, cause I, 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 things ended bad when I left the, the construction deer, deer dealership. And it was because of the bros, you know, the, the buddy group that was there, you know, they obviously messed with my livelihood by firing my wife because they were mad at me. So I try not to, I got I've I've talked about the politics of it and, you know, gave the insight because there's a lot of things that get pushed to the side with these big companies like that, like they'll let people go because somebody got caught doing something wrong and that person knows. So they'll let them go. So I've, I had no problem telling people that this is what happens at these big companies. Are you sure you want to go work there? So yeah, it left a bad taste in my mouth. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to start a podcast to let other people vent about things, you know, and, and yeah. hear about these big corporations. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I don't try to bash anybody, dude. Yeah, I really don't. But 
sometimes, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that you're trying to help people, but you're not trying to be like so over sensitized that you just don't tell them really what's going on in the, in the world of what we do. And I tell guys all the time, I'm like, Hey guys, at the end of the day, you got to protect yourself. You got to protect your company. And if you can't do that, then you're, you're failing because nobody's your friend. Nobody is there. Yes, we all work together to get a job done. Those other contractors out there, they ain't your friend. They'll screw you over just as quick as the, the GC will. Yep. I mean, it's just, it, it is what it is. It's an unfortunate thing, but you got to be careful. You got to watch your back. And it's the same thing like you're talking about with the podcast. You got to watch your back, you know, because you don't know. The wrong person could listen to the episode and all of a sudden you got a lawsuit filed against you. Yep. Yeah, it's scary. You know, so I just try to watch my P's and Q's sometimes, and sometimes I'll talk a little shit, but that's, that's it. Yeah. I don't really say a whole lot, but I do talk about it. I talk about somewhere I worked and I don't say, and I say their name, but it's, I never slander them for it. Yeah. I just say, Hey, you know, when I was working there, I'm like, why were we doing that? You know, we're just trying to save money. <laughs> so, you know, if anything, I'm just trying to help. I wasn't trying to hurt anybody. Sure. So, yeah. You know, what do you, what's your favorite? thing about working on equipment what is it the pay (laughs) (laughs) i mean to be brutally honest i do it for the money you know what i busted my ass over the years and got to where i get paid really well and you know that's what keeps me going but as far as like the machines and stuff i found a passion for wrenching I hated working in automotive for so many years, jumped into the ag side. It was good. I learned a lot. But when I jumped over to, came here to Texas and, and got to into construction, at first I hated it because I was used to the good old boy farmers, you know, you could sit and bullshit with them. You go onto a construction site, that machine better be fixed. Yeah. And some of these guys are assholes. Yeah. I'm just kidding. But being able to fix the machine, you know, diagnose it properly fix it and learn it within a certain amount of years. Cause I'm, like I said, I've only been doing this since 2017 and within a couple of years, I became one of the top field technicians for the deer dealer. And so, I mean, it was just quite, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is gratifying, right. To be able to learn this stuff so fast and then be able to make money. But yeah, I, Ultimately, my paycheck is what drives me, you know, because if I had the option to get out of it, I would. Yeah. That's just how it is, man. I'm 34 years old and my back's done and my feet are done and I have arthritis in my wrists and I wouldn't change it. No. I, I would do it all over again if I had to, but if there was another option I could do to, you know, do something else in the industry, I would. But for now, I'll just keep plugging away at it because I'm sure that opportunity will come. I got to say, man, you know, I see what you guys do every day, you know, when they come out working on our equipment and stuff. And I'm like, bad respect, dude. You can bet me claw under that thing. <laughs> it's been raining all damn day. I yeah. get all like, oil all over the place. I'm like, mad respect, man. I, I mean, and you'll see a guy will get come in. You can tell if you're the first job of the day, he's got a clean uniform on. And then you can tell the guy's been on their three machines already that day. Yeah, and he's covered from head to toe in grease. I got to say, I'm I'm very spoiled where I'm at now, you know, and it's nice to finally 
ah, you know, yeah, I don't work 70, 80 hours a week like I used to, uh, 50, 52 at the most now. Yeah. I don't work weekends unless it's absolutely needed. Like we got a bunch of rain that week and we need to catch up on Saturday and it's not dealership life. You know, they're not running me balls to the wall and, you know, you stop at a gas station to get something to eat real quick. You know, it's noon and they're like, why are you sitting here for 10 minutes? You know, my boss is, he, he, he treats me so good and he takes care of me because he knows where I came from and how it was because he worked there too. Uh, well, and also, you know, being a, being a leader, man, you're supposed to take care of your people. And that, that's something we harp about all the time on the show is, you know, taking care of our guys, you know, taking care of the guys that make you money. Yeah. You know, he, he's getting up there in age and he's expressed to me that, you know, obviously, so I came in as a lead technician. I've got one guy under me right now, hopefully soon to be two. And he's expressed to me, oh, I'm not going to be here much longer. You know, I'm, I'm going to need you to step up into like assistant management position at some point, which will be fine with me. And then he's like, eventually possibly take over, you know, fleet management. And I'm like, hell yeah. So just hurry up because <laughs> I, I will do it. I, management's always scared me because I'm always afraid to make the wrong decision on something or, right. you know, so I hopefully he, he works me into that and slowly and maybe I'll learn and be able to take over. So, yeah, I mean, things to look forward to, I guess. What do you recommend to the listeners about really staying on their machines though, maintenance-wise? What are you recommending? As far as like somebody that owns the machines, yeah, got starting out. There's multiple things for maintenance wise, you know, depending on what it is. I've gotten out of a lot of the dozers and stuff now. It's just excavators, loaders, and backhoes. So I've gotten into this routine to where if I go on a job site and we have one or two crews going, I'll go to work on a machine, but I'll like eyeball other machines that are there. And like, if I see something obvious, it's like, Hey, can I take care of this real quick? Or is it something that we could take care of in the near future? If it's something serious, call the boss. Like, Hey, you know, I saw, I see this on the machine. We need to down it pretty soon or get it to the shop, whatever. So if you got somebody with good eyes or if it's you that know, like say you, you own your own business, I'm sure you know what to look for. Oh yeah. So you're probably seeing that stuff. I highly recommend learning the machines. You know, there is a owner's manual in all these machines when you get them new. Look up. There's maintenance. There's, you know, they give you a lot of information in these books. Yeah. And they come in handy. I've looked at them. I would definitely recommend learning machines, whether it's a backhoe, skid steer, or a freaking motor grader. Yeah. Grease especially, grease every day. Yeah, these guys just don't grease enough, man. Just don't don't over grease a machine. Yeah. I worked for a company for a couple of weeks. They're big here. They have a bunch of six fifty seven scrapers. They over greased the shit out of their machines and they were miserable to work on. Yeah. And it wasn't doing anything. It was just piled up, you know what I mean? Wasn't lubricating. No. Every other day, every two days, you know, yeah. hit all them grease certs. The, the biggest things that should get hit every day is like the boom and the yeah, stick on an excavator. But like, you know, it's the stuff that's being moved constantly. Like your blade on a dozer, that should be greased constantly. Your stick, your, but like, dude, the spots on the tracks, you can do that like two, every two days, especially on an excavator and you're on a stockpile for a month. You're not moving those tracks that much. Yep. 
you're on an 850 and you're doing a massive fill and you're tracking forward back all day long yeah grease tracks yeah but like if you're if you're out just lollygagging moisture conditioning going <laughs> you don't got those, those were the worst moisture condition dozers oh yeah to work on no it tears up the undercarriages that well just the they're obviously driving through mud you know yeah. if one breaks down that fit you're screwed yep those were the worst to work on but the worst for me was landfill machines yeah and i'm glad to be away from i don't even want to think about that i don't want to talk about <laughs> it it just sounds horrible yeah and i just imagine baby diapers and it's just I got to tell you, I think the worst one I ever saw was I was stuck on the side of a stockpile. My track broke on my eight. I was like 40 foot in the air. And I remember we were just running so many machines. We just kept a mechanic on site. A resident. Yeah. And I like called my foreman and I'm like, hey, you need to get a mechanic over here. He's like, well, I was like, I just snapped my link. He's like, how the hell did you do that? I don't know. I'm like, I just grease tracks this morning. They weren't tight. They weren't loose. They're just right. And he's like, all right. He comes over. They put aftermarket tracks on. And they didn't follow the torque spec. And so, snap. Did you do it like a good operator and drive it right off the track at least? I stopped it on the Oh, come on. I knew exactly how far to go to. I backed up a little bit. So I knew he all he had to do was pick each crane up. And I had it so it was already sitting over the top link. So all he had to do was just hook it. <laughs> Try to make it easy on him. Yeah. But it was fun because he's sitting with a service truck, yeah. vertical, next to the dozer. And he's like this, leaning on the dozer, like, forward, trying to run the lake together. And I'm sitting there helping him. And it takes us, like, two and a half hours when we got it back on. And that was the worst one I've ever had. Yeah, I have a, the, I think it's Arlington Landfill. Yeah. They have 1050s out there, 1050Ks. And they broke a track and drove it right off the track. So if you could imagine trying to get the machine back onto the track. Oh, my God. Which the track is curved yeah. from them driving it. <laughs> it was a nightmare. I, I didn't give a shit at that point. I wanted to get the track back on. I didn't care what we are going to do. I literally stuck the links back because it broke the master link, and, you know, they have the alligator teeth. I slapped that thing back together and just welded it just so we could get it out of the pile. It, it made it back. The well held. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. That's, you know, you got you do what you got to do. And I've, seen, kind of I've seen some mechanics do some pretty gay oh, stuff yeah. just to make it happen. Yeah. It, it's awesome. I've done it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we all have as an operator, mechanic, whatever. Yeah. I've had tracks so loose before, you know, they're going to come off and I'm like, give me six tubes of grease. Yeah. Just get it tight enough to get it to the, get it to the shop. Yes. Get it on the haul truck, at least get it to the yard. But I mean, Maintenance is no joke, guys, especially when you're starting up, man. you got to take care of these machines because these machines make you money. Yeah. And if you're not taking care of them, they're going to start breaking, and you think it's expensive to just do an oil change? Yeah. Blow a motor up. Blow a transmission. Go through. Yes. And if you're going to – I've listened to your podcast, you know, on – I think it was the last one with Devin. Yeah. Talking about operators, and you know how to pick them. Make sure, you know – Make sure you got a good operator that cares about this machine like it's yeah. their own. We've we've got operators that literally wipe their cab out every day and take yep. care of their machines, and then we got guys with soda spilt down the side and just looks like shit. Obviously, I know what operator I'm going to help. Yeah. You know, faster than the other one, 
but we all we have in every single one of our machines a sticker that says this machine pays your paycheck or whatever take care of it yep and some people follow that yeah and we've got crews that just have they've got machines that look brand new still because the foreman's like nah you take care of that machine that pays our bills you know you know i had in my machine every day i had glass cleaner i had a can of glass cleaner Mm -hmm. you know when they used to have little cubbies up front yeah i had glass cleaner i had that little wire brush so you brush out your floor i had paper towels and i had two air fresheners because i smoked but no matter what i would do i would always turn off the air when i smoked i'd open my window i'd smoke close it up turn the air back on i never smoked with the ac on because i knew two things smoke's gonna get in the system it's gonna screw the air system up and secondly you running with the windows open while you got the ac going that is the best way to screw up an ac system on machine Thank you. I fired guys for running with the doors open, having the AC on. If I catch you, I'm like, hey, you got your AC on? No. I'm like, put the blade down real quick. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Go park it. What? Yeah. Go park it. You want to pay $4,000 to fix this? Because I'm not dealing to it. Yeah. You want to spend all August with no AC? I'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I worked on a machine today, actually. It's an older 470. You know, still has a Zuzu in it. We, this operator, he's newer but he takes care of this machine. The seat cover is falling apart, all this stuff, but he's like, I clean it, or he takes care of it. So I always try to help him out as much as possible till he can get a new machine. Yeah. And I feel bad for him because it's like, every time I'm like, yeah, we'll get your seat repaired. We're, we're going to take care of you. Something else happens where I can't fix it. Luckily today, it's losing an injection pump slowly. Yep. So I'm like, hey man, I just got to get this other machine done that's in the shop. And as soon as that thing's thing is taken care of we're getting your machine in the shop and we're gonna completely take care of it for you because this guy deserves it he deserves a brand new machine but unfortunately that's the way things are going right now we can't even get machines you guys rebuilding them depends on what it is like we've got a 350 in the shop right now that it needed a line boring done on the boom yeah and the boss is like well that those tracks look a little war so let's go ahead and throw chains and rollers on it and uh sprocket segments and so it depends on what it is, you know, if it's yeah. a... It's a critical path machine, yeah. Like, we have a bunch of 336 cats that are getting up there in hours, and they're starting to fail on everything. Yep. And he's just like, let's just kind of Band-Aid it, and so we're we, just going to get rid of them. Until we can get them traded. Yes, yeah. because they're just falling apart. I'm at that point, I'm putting Band-Aids on a couple of machines right now, and the only reason I'm Band-Aiding them is, I know in about a year, the way the workload's already starting to slow down, you're seeing it too. Yes. They're going to be giving them away in a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm showing up with all my shit, and I'm getting all brand new stuff. <laughs> Everybody's like, you're crazy. I'm like, interest rates will be low, and those machines will be dirt cheap. Because, yeah, you get close to paying something off, but if it's falling apart and it's costing you, okay, that's great. You have all these payments. But if your payments get done and six months later you got to replace the motor in the thing it's like that's four months four months of payments on it anyways what's the point when i can just go get one with a warranty on it yep it blows up they replace it no brainer mm-hmm. yeah or you know you got to use a machine you could put an engine in that comes with a warranty too don't yep. even waste your time rebuilding it no just buy that long block and put it in because that thing comes with a two-year warranty that is a no-brainer yeah we just did that on a 8,000 hour machine. It cracked on the liners and we were going to rebuild it and it literally costed 
a hundred dollars more just to get a long block. Yeah. You're better off getting a brand new one. Yeah. So I put having them put it in. Well, no, I, I put it in. Oh, but, you guys put it in? Yeah. But of course, you know, it's a high hour machine. So I pull the engine out. I break a hydraulic line because it's old and crusty. So fix these things, get the motor in. Other things fell on it because it's old. So it, it got a lot of stuff when it was in, yeah. which it needed. But uh, yeah, it all comes with maintenance. I mean, there's certain things, you know, you're, you keep asking about maintenance on machines. You get these higher hour machines. There's stuff that you necessarily can't fix in the field. I guess is the best way to put it. Like, hey, this machine's going to come in. Let's take care of it then. Like, it's going to be down too long if we're going to have it in the field. Right. So there's things that you can't take care of unless you really needed it. I've had engines out in the field before. I've had heads off in the field if needed. But if you if you don't have to do that, don't do it. Exactly. So, you know, my boss is, if it needs to come in for something, bring it in. We'll We'll get a spare out there. <laughs> thank you sir <laughs> well uh colton it's been a pleasure having you on tonight man is there anything else you want to talk about well we can talk about we've been having hell finding mechanics you know yeah. you talked about heave all that stuff trying to get even operators and stuff like that you know trying to get these people into the trades and are they worth it you know the question for you is like are you having, obviously you're having trouble finding people. Yeah. What do you think would be a good way to get the message out to these younger folks that we don't need to go to college to get into the trades, you know, make good money? I think the other problem though that we're running into is we're in such situations right now on these jobs. This is the other caveat to that answer. If you're in a company that has 400 operators, 400 machines, all that, you have push dozers. You have non-GPS excavators out there that are not digging grade, that are not, they're not critical path machines. They're doing, they're doing the cut fill job that you got 15 feet of cut. And by the time you get down to about two foot before the cut, you're going to pull that guy off that part of the job and send him down to the big cut because he doesn't have the experience. So you're going to have your experience guy take that portion of it over to get it to grade the first time. So you're not doing rework and you're not losing money. The problem is when you're not doing those size jobs, like I am where you have to get it to grade the first time mm-hmm. and be done with it or you're losing money. And so it's an unfortunate thing that you have to get experience because if you don't have the mid-sized guys and the smaller guys don't have that luxury, like the big boys do of, Hey, we can just bring a guy off the street and teach him how to be an operator. Well, I've only got so many laborers and the three laborers that we have on staff, they're going to move to a seat first. And so, because they've been around our equipment, they understand the type of jobs we do. And if I bring a guy off the street, that doesn't know anything and I throw him in a cab, how's that fair to those laborers? So that's to me how I look at it. I look at it like you need to earn your place to run a machine. I had to, I was a laborer for two years before I ever touched, yeah. touched a cab. And so, you know, when I hear guys say, well, I want to learn how to run equipment. It's like, cool, come out here and run a water hose. Well, I ain't got nothing to do with it. Well, you want to learn how to run a machine? That's not the big bucks. Yeah. Well, you want to learn how to do it or not? Yeah. And a lot of guys, they're working in a warehouse. They're running a forklift. They're making decent money. So they got used to that. And now they want to get out of it and they want to come into construction or they're in college and they're told their whole time, you're going to make six figures when you get out of college. 
and they call you and they're like, well, I want $28 an hour. And it's like, dude, that's what I pay at finish hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a 40 hour guarantee, but that guy's been doing it for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So when I hear guys say that stuff to me, it's, it's almost infuriating because I remember what I had to do to earn my place. You know what you did to have to earn your place. Yep. So it's almost like this entitlement thing now. I had a kid call me. I called a kid today. I'm hiring a guy right now. I'm, I can talk about it. I was trying to hire a kid today. And I said, hey, man, I saw your uh, resume. He's from California. No, nothing against people from California. They just, the rates are, the wages are different out there. So, and I know the cost of living is a lot higher. Yeah. I'm not arguing that. Mm -hmm. I'm not at all. So he called me and he says, hey, man, you know, I, I can run a, I can run a dozer, I can run a loader, all that. I said, can you finish? And he goes, what? I says, can you finish? And when he says, oh, you talking about like, like putting it to grade? I'm like, yeah, it's called finish work. And he got real quiet. And I says, that tells me right then and there, you're not an operator. You don't even know what that term means. You're not an operator. And he says, yeah, well, I was getting paid $28 an hour in California. I'm like, okay. And uh, he says, yeah, I need that at least here. I says, good luck finding a company that's going to hire you for that. And he says, what do you mean? I says, you could probably come in with somebody at 21, 22 bucks an hour, you know, still decent money and learn the trade. And learn how to finish. And then go in that 28 bucks. And he's like, oh, well, you know, everybody I called has told me that. I said, you, you're going to keep hearing it. Yeah, you're going to keep hearing it. I mean, that's just how it is. You know, you're, you 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 don't get the raise before you get the experience. You yeah. get the experience and you get the raise. And I'm not saying, you know, we talked in a few other episodes you probably listened to. Mm -hmm. We talked about incentivizing our guys. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not trying to say that we don't. But at the same time, it's a give and take relationship. You learn. I pay you. You don't learn. You don't get paid no more. You get paid at the level that you are. If you're a good mechanic, right, and you're doing the real technical diagnostics, like the guy you had on the show the other day, the guy that's, I think he was out of Alabama. Yeah, Jeremy. Jeremy. He was talking about that. He was saying, well, they call me in if in a five-county area they can't figure it out. There's five different dealerships, and if all five can't figure it out, they'll call me in. Yeah. I guarantee you that dude's getting top hourly rate. Oh, yeah. And, that guy was bright. Yeah. Smart. And that's because he learned it. Yep. But I guarantee he didn't start out making that much money. Mm -hmm. He was probably a grease monkey, you know, doing loop changes and changing filters out. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee it. Yeah. He worked his way up to diagnostic. So when I hear a guy tell me that, it's the same concept with dirt, though. When a guy's like, hey, man, I want to come on. I don't have any experience. It's like, great. You're going to learn how to run a water truck. You're going to learn how to run a roller and you're going to take care of them. And if you prove you can take care of those, we're going to put you on a skid steer. Are you running a skid steer? I'm going to put you on a dozer. Are you running a dozer? You're going to go run a track loader. You run a track loader? You're going to go run a hoe. Oh, you run a hoe? You're going on the blade. You run the blade? Here's the plans. Run the job. What? Damn. You know, and like, and they're like, oh, I've got a foreman. That's cool. You're lead operator out here. You answer the foreman. Oh, well, you want the money? You want the responsibility that comes with it because that's what comes with it. And because guess who's asking when to come chew and shit's fucked up? Ain't going to be that operator, but it's going to be you. <laughs> that's just how it's got to be. I mean, when you, you got mechanics under you, they screw up. Who's your boss chew out? Them or you? Choose you out. Luckily, them. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> but am I right, though? Yeah. He choose you out. Oh, yeah. Because right? yeah, no. he expects you to enforce the rules, mm -hmm. he expects you to do your job. Yep. Middle managers have the toughest job. I respect them so much. I've been that guy. I've been a foreman. I've been a superintendent. 
middle management is the toughest position in this industry because you have to be tight with your guys. You got to be cool with them. You shouldn't be their friend. I'm going to say that, that you got to have that boundary. But at the same time, you've got to ensure that the company's making money and you got to watch out for the welfare of the guys though, yeah. at the same time. Of course. You've got to buck back to the office when they're like, well, why isn't this done yet? Why isn't this done yet? It's like, well, we've had four machines break down. We ain't got no trucks. The trucks keep breaking down. You know, it's just example after example of things that you have to ensure are being done. And this yeah. is where maintenance comes into the whole thing. <laughs> what were we just talking about? I just said, break down. If you're not doing maintenance, shit breaks down. Well, actually, that's funny you bring that up. We have a new job site starting in Crowley, and they quoted it as dirt, and they dig down 10 feet, and the last five foot is rock. Yep. And it just completely just stopped the job because now they're having to dig through that rock, and mm -hmm. it's probably going to take a little bit longer. And, of course, it's going to keep me busy because we're going to break shit. Yeah, you're gonna, you guys are getting paid out the butt now, too, because you got a rock closing your contract, guarantee it. Yep. Hopefully. Oh, if who you work for, I know who you work for. I'm sure they do. They're pretty intelligent guys. <laughs> yes. It's a well, well run company. Very good company. I've heard nothing but great things about them. They've been, they've been around since the sixties for a reason. Yeah. They've been doing something right. So they, they and they have very nice equipment and I see them out on the road doing work. That's, we get compliments on our crew trucks, yep. our service trucks, cause we're, they're always clean and our machines like, Hey, we see your machines everywhere. It says your name big on the boom yep. and you guys have the best looking machines it's like yeah because if they need something done we do it yeah if it's got a bent door on it we fix it that's how i am my guys i'm like hey i tell them like get on that heat i don't care if a window's got a crack and you get it replaced you know <laughs> nothing's gonna look like crap on my job hell yeah you know, pull up and go these guys are pros that they might be a little dirty because they're working but but they, they'll get washed my guys will seriously i don't even pressure wash them because it's pointless to pressure wash anymore because the way the paint is, it chips it so bad. Yeah. So I just have them take the fire hose to it. Ninety percent of the time with a brush, mm -hmm. they get it just as clean as you would with a pressure washer. Yeah. Well, and you, if you have good looking machines, that's how you get you customers. Get more work. Yeah. People see you. They're like, "Hey, man, I just saw you over here it's doing this job. Great work. Got good looking machines. Take care of their stuff. Yeah. Valuable. Yeah. So it's a giant billboard, dude. Yes. That's right. So. Colton, tell everybody how we can listen to your show, watch you on YouTube, all that. Well, you can find the Certified Wrench podcast. I'm on all social medias. I don't really do too much on the LinkedIn. It's a pain in the ass, in my opinion. But Instagram is Certified Wrench underscore podcast. Certified Wrench podcast on Facebook and TikTok. YouTube also is Certified Wrench podcast. And if you guys need to email me, Certified Wrench podcast at gmail.com. Sorry, I'm laughing because I do the same thing on every episode. <laughs> and you guys can catch the podcast on basically all streaming platforms. It's on like 15 different things. Yeah, we're the same. iTunes, Spotify, iHeart Music, all that stuff. Yep. That's it, man. If you guys could like and subscribe and rate and review, I highly appreciate it. Yeah, same, same to you as well, sir. We appreciate you coming on. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. All right, guys, my turn. <laughs> if you could, please like and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. Please give us our five stars on Spotify. Leave us a review on iTunes. I don't care if it's my breath stinks or we cuss too much. I don't care. Just leave us something. If you could check out our Patreon, we got hats coming in and we're going to be starting the on-grade roundtable. 
Colton's going to be one of our guys that comes on and we're going to talk about maintenance. He'll have a slideshow we'll build and stuff and we'll get you guys on and start helping people with starting their company or growing it or whatever they're wanting to do. We'll show you some estimating and stuff like that. So check that out. That's exclusive for our Patreon people. Check us out on our social media, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and I think we're on LinkedIn. Yeah, we're on LinkedIn. Yeah, we are. I do all the posting. I should know this, right? <laughs> yep. So the YouTube channel's growing. Spotify's growing. Everything's growing, man. We're excited. Thank you guys for supporting us. And uh, we hope to keep seeing you guys support us and keep watching the, us grow the show. Remember, I do leave the questions down on the Spotify, so... Please answer those questions. You know, I get polls because the polls really help us figure out what we need to talk about. So thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Stay classy. Later. You've been listening to the On Grade Podcast. If you're wanting to get into the business, grow your business, or learn more about the trades of construction, this is your hub. Brandon and Devin both own excavation companies in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And on each show, you'll hear from the business owners and leaders that make the industry tick. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram at on underscore grade TX. On Facebook at On Grade Podcast. On YouTube at On Grade 5384. And find the show on Spotify and Apple. See you next time on the On Grade Podcast.